Um, we, um, that's a really good title. That's a really good title. You notice that title? It said, wor- it says, worship is a verb. Now, I'm not a preacher, uh, nor the son of a preacher. I'm a piano player. So what could possibly go wrong here, right? This is, this is interesting. So worship is a verb. It's not original to me. This is actually a title of a book by a worship studies guy named Robert Weber. And he drew our attention in the field of studying worship to the fact that worship is not an industry. It's not an experience. It's what we do. It's what we do. And so just keep that in the back of your mind as we kind of go through um, our passage today. And this is a devotional, okay? This is a devotional. Or to make it even more sophisticated, maybe we could, we could even call it a homily. Ooh, fancy, fancy. Let's go to the passage. The first thing that we have to understand in this particular passage, oh, the ushers are passing out Bibles, is that God is not pretentious. And he's not passive-aggressive either. He's not passive-aggressive. I'm sure you read that in a systematic theology somewhere. It's like, you know, it's under a heading. God is not passive-aggressive. In other words, uh, here we go again. Here we go again with this Benjamin guy. He's done it again. Doesn't he realize what I've done for him? Doesn't he like get it that I sent sent my son. I sent my son for him. Doesn't he get, doesn't he, why is he, why does he keep sinning in the way that he does? Why is he still arrogant and prideful in this area in his life? Why is he still struggling? Doesn't he get it? I mean, I gave him my son. God is not passive aggressive. He's also not a narcissistic sociopath. (laughs) He's not trying to manipulate you to love him. So when we come to this passage and it says, I appeal to you therefore by the mercies of God, that's just total, pure love. Sometimes when we get to this passage, right, in Romans 12, we're thinking about Romans 9 through 11. And we're doing theological gymnastics through that whole section. And we forget 
that Romans 1 through 8 also exists, and that at the end of Romans 11, Paul is in a worshipful state as he considers the paradox of men and women created in the image of God. Soul, body, mind, image of God and God's sovereignty. We forget sometimes that all of this appeal is based on pure love, not passive aggressive love and not manipulative love, just pure gifts, pure gifts. I think in Romans it says, he who has given us the son, how will he not give us all thanks? I think it says in Romans that who will separate us from the love of God? Nothing will separate us from the love of God. And he just pours out love upon love as we go through the book of Romans. It's also interesting that when we look at Paul's prayers for you and Paul's prayers for me and Paul's prayers for the church, he doesn't pray, man, I wish, I'm praying, I'm really praying that you're going to understand the depths of your sin, that you would really understand how big your sin is and how tall your sin is and how massive your sin is. He doesn't pray that. He prays that you would know the breadth, the width of the love of God. Pastor Tom often reminds us here at Riverstone that our church is a hospital. And we can come to Riverstone Church knowing that God loves us. God loves us. And we love each other. So that's his appeal. He goes... I appeal to you with the foundation of the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Okay, so let's get to the, because I'm the worship director, right? So we got to talk about worship. So this, this phrase is really interesting, spiritual worship. It's one word. And in the history of the church, this word has been reserved for the worship of God, okay? Worship of God. But in particular, what we do as the people of God in a worship service, okay? So when you look at, for example, tabernacle worship, there's a lot of stuff going on, okay? I love drones. Uh, drones are really cool. Drones are really cool. Have you ever seen the drones, like, that they fly over the football stadium, the, the eagles? And, and anyway, the eagles, and everybody's getting ready, 
You got the tailgaters, they're setting up, and they're starting to cook, and they're inviting their friends over, and you see people moving throughout, and then, and then you know, the stadium starts to fill up, and the flag is put out on the field, and then it's closed up, and it's like the time-lapse thing. You've seen it? Can you imagine doing that like in temple worship? Doing drone, a drone kind of over temple worship and observing what's happening in the temple. Like an animal dies over here <laughs> and is burnt over here. And you've got, you've got people eating things and you've got people bringing stuff to be killed and burnt. And you got to go into the Holy of Holies. The whole, the whole thing, it's, it, it's total action. It's total service. It's total worship. Okay. So what does that have to do with bringing your bodies as a living sacrifice? What does that have to do with it? With it? It's really interesting. He uses the word bodies here. It's so countercultural in the moment, in the moment of Paul's writing. Because bodies, well, Plato, ever heard of Plato? Plato didn't like the body. He thought the body was bad. In fact, he thought that the body was a cage for the soul. Body, bad, soul, good. And Paul says, body, I want you to use your body as an instrument of worship. That is fascinating. When Jesus came and we just celebrated his great incarnation, he united himself with his creation in a very special way. Incarnation literally means in meat. The God-man in meat. And he becomes flesh. He becomes a body. And so this is so countercultural with Plato. And this had tremendous impact on the early church. Young people, you might have heard this. Oh, Christianity is so oppressive. So oppressive. So oppressive towards women. So oppressive towards children. But actually, the church took this as the heightened level of the view of the body, and they applied it in this way. They would rescue, because Plato, getting to Plato, Plato uh, didn't esteem women. And that whole society, they didn't esteem women at all. In fact, if you had a baby girl, you could get rid of it. You could get rid of it. And Christians were known 
to rescue baby girls that were placed on garbage heaps. Plato was for abortion. For it. Christians believed that Jesus was the God-man when he was conceived. Totally countercultural. Totally countercultural. And so when Paul says to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, this is massive. Now, how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, first, I think he also said, he uses the word body here to say your whole person. Because this is the stuff that I use to sin a lot. Right? This is right here. The thing, the thing I have. This is, the, this is the thing that I use to sin a lot. Right here. This, this, it's made out of flesh. This thing. And we use this to sin. Right? And Paul says, I want you to start using this to worship. I want you to start using this to worship. And so what does that look like? Well, have you ever seen is, uh, the, the prayers of Islam in the Middle East where they go down and they, you know, forehead on the grounds? Do you know who taught them that? We did. They learned that from us. They learned that from Christians. The bowing before God, placing your body in a position of humility before the Lord. That's just an example. Just an example. Um, well, this is one of my favorites. Singing. When you sing, you get to use all of yourself. Okay? This is your instrument, you know, just not the little voice box, but the whole body. It resonates. How else do we use our body? Just let's give a couple of more examples. Let's say we did a drone footage of Riverstone Church from the moment you wake up <laughs> and the moment you get in your car and you drive to Riverstone Church and you get out of the church and you come in and, and we're watching all this action taking place here. We're using our bodies in worship. So these are just some examples. But during the day, like during the day and during the week, what is what might this look like? Well, it's been shown that what you do affects what you think. Also, what you think affects what you do, but there's actually been a lot of study on what you do affects how you think. 
And so if you go to Wawa and you see, um, I follow this guy on the internet, Jocko, do you guys know about Jocko? Jocko is a Navy SEAL, right? And his whole thing is discipline equals freedom. And so you have to discipline your life to get more and more out of life. You discipline your body to make, you know, and he's got these energy drinks at Wawa. Anyway, <laughs> random, right? Random. But it's just an example to say, look, people are thinking about this. People are thinking about, you know, he wakes up at 4.30, takes an Instagram picture. I'm up at 4.30, getting after it, you know. And he does a workout, and then he, you know, that's the whole thing. And at New Year's, we think about this. We think about creating new routines. And one of the things that the early church, and you look at the book of Daniel, there were set times of prayer. Set times of prayer. Set times of disciplined prayer, whether you felt like it or not. And I found in my own life, if I don't schedule it in, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And so maybe a challenge to you in terms of application to this, because we've we got to wrap this up because the kids are getting antsy downstairs, <laughs> is to say, when are, you, when are you praying? When are you praying? When are you spending time with the Lord? Is it in the, the old uh, Outlook calendar? Do people still use Outlook? Okay. Is it in the calendar to say, no matter what, I'm going to pray at this time, whether I feel like it or not? That's just one example, maybe, of presenting your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. We're going to close now, and, but how we're going to close, this church is a hospital. So if you've come to this new year with burdens, with um, spiritual needs, physical needs, and you need healing, and you need somebody to pray with you, some of our elders, why don't some of our elders come even now? And after I close, you can come up and pray with some of our elders. I was going to get to, you know, verse 2 where it talks about we are changed in the renewal of our mind. And that the inner being, the inner man is healed in worship. Healed and renewed and restored. So maybe as we close the service, I'm going to pray. And then if you need prayer, if you need prayer, you can meet with some of our elders here and just pray with them. Uh, they wanted to make themselves available to that, and that's awesome. So let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your spirit. Thank you for our church. Thank you for the transformative power of 
your Son through your Holy Spirit. We pray, O Lord, that you would teach us your ways and unite our hearts to fear your name. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed. Thank you, <laughs>